We laugh, we cry, we share anger, we share resources. And even though I'm supposed to be the leader of the group, I think I learn something every month that I go in there. To watch how they help each other, it's a miracle in progress all the time. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant, and I lead the caregiver support group in my local community. And I'm her husband, Mike, a certified caregiver advocate. And this is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two, because we all know that, well, laughter is in fact the best medicine. And don't forget the wine. Oh no, can't forget the wine. One of my favorite things to do in in supporting caregivers is to facilitate that local uh, caregiver support group in in our community. We get together uh, monthly. There's no expert in the room and share resources for one another and help each other through the often difficult days and some of the really special days that caregivers deal with. And that brings us to today's guest, who is from Defiance, Ohio. She was the caregiver for her father for over 14 years and her mother for 10 years and spent 15 years as a facilitator of an Alzheimer's caregiver support group at the Defiance County Senior Services Center. Please welcome today's guest, Pat Wagner. Hi, Pat. Hi. Welcome to the show. So you and I have a number of things in common. Um, we, we cared for family members with dementia, and we also facilitate caregiver support groups. And you also have a very interesting perspective in that you were recently diagnosed with some cognitive issues. We are so glad to have you here on our show today. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So why don't you start off with telling us a little bit about caring for your father? My dad uh, was studying in college to be a doctor when his mother became quite ill. And so he moved our family uh, to Geneva, Ohio, and he cared with my mom for his mother for probably 10 years of me growing up. So you were a minor um, at that time helping? Oh, yes, I was. Uh, my grandmother, I was named after my grandmother and was really the only one that could get through to her that she was supposed to listen to the actual caregivers. <laughs> so then your your dad developed dementia, or is that right? My dad did at uh, 60 years old, and none of us at that time, because it was so long ago, uh, realized that we didn't even know about Alzheimer's. And so for us, it was just quite strange. And they kept saying, well, maybe hardening of the arteries, maybe this, maybe that. But as it ended up, it was diagnosed from the Cleveland Clinic that he did have Alzheimer's. And you took care of him for a number of years, right? Right. My mother tried desperately, but my mother had a lot of medical issues herself. Um, so therefore she needed help desperately at the time. Uh, I lived across the street, was married, had three very small children. And so I became the person 
that she would call continually. Um, Dad was a roamer, and mm. so we would have to find him, of course. So that that led to three little children being shoved in a car sometimes six to eight times a day. Wow. So it became quite hard for me, and my husband suggested that we add on to our home and bring them into our home to care for them. And that is what we did. Wow. Interesting. So you were a part of the sandwich generation before there was a sandwich generation, those raising their children and caring for their parents at the same time. Exactly. I grew up really uh, in a multi-generational house, and I learned quite quickly um, you take care of your own <laughs> because you love them. Right. That's one of the things that's one of the things that Mike and I have in common. We firmly believe that one of the, the main reason we have families is so that we can be there to take take care of one another. And I definitely come from a generations of family caregivers. When somebody needs care, we step up. Yeah, the whole attitude is family takes care of family. That's what you do. That's exactly right. And I was brought up like that and therefore I would think I was more easily accepting of the fact that even though I had small children, they would learn a great lesson by living with grandma and grandpa. Absolutely. On a number of different levels, right? Getting to know yes. them, uh, history, family history. Absolutely. When Mike's dad was first going to come to live with us and I, and I was going to work every day and I announced that I was going to to leave my job to take care of him, a number of people said, well, why would you do that? Why don't you, you know, put him in a facility? Um, and my answer was, I'm setting an example for my children. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, I think that it's the same way for me. Um, I had promised my father that I, I would not put him in the facility, which was probably the wrong thing to do as the years went on and the demands were great. It might have been the wrong thing, but uh, I stuck by it. But my mother decided that uh, it was too much for me because it was 24-7 with dad. He was up all night and he would not listen to anybody but me. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Daddy's little girl? <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> Only at that time I was his mom, <laughs> which, you know, I mean, for me, that was an honor to be his mother. Okay. Yeah. Because absolutely. I knew how much he loved her. <laughs> absolutely. Now, I often tell caregivers now when I do a presentation on Prepare to Care, um, don't ever tell your family member that you would never have them in a facility you just may not be able to keep that promise because sometimes it becomes not the right decision for both of you to try to keep them at home, but you will always be their advocate and your, your loving spouse or loving daughter and be for them. But sometimes we have to be strong enough to make that tough decision. But I can certainly understand why somebody would say that. Um, and if you have said it and you can't keep that anymore, just understand that what you're, what you're promising is to make sure they get the best possible care and you will be there for them. And I agree 100% with you. 
now, only when I was going through it, I didn't realize anything. You know, there just wasn't anything back then. My parents have been gone for 36 years. And, you know, for the 14 years before that, there just wasn't any information out there about Alzheimer's or any other really deep memory problem issues. So, I mean, my dad went from not understanding to going to hospitals to being put in this hospital, that hospital, them sending him to um, the hospitals that, that had the units for people that were having problems, mental problems. And so he endured all that. Today, it's quite different. And I think that that's what's beautiful about what the Alzheimer's Association and all of those advocates that have worked so hard through the years. That's what I think is so beautiful about the changes and making people realize they don't have to walk this walk alone. Absolutely, There's so much out there to help in so many ways. Some of the facilities that we have toured are so beautiful that we've actually joked about we'd like to move in. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. And I, you know, like I said, it was difficult for me and what I was going through. But I realized that what my mother did for me was life-saving. I mean, it truly was for her to finally take that in her own hands and make the change. And I was there every day to take care of my dad, whether he was in my house or whether he was in the nursing home. So it was um, it was a challenge, but not one day do I regret. Caregiving is not location-based. Nope. <laughs> it sure isn't. So I have, I have a question for you. When you were caregiving and, and your kids were around and your mom and dad were in the house, did they ever sit with grandma or grandpa and sit and have conversations about what it was like back in the day? Well, you know what? I think that they did. They didn't talk to me a lot about it. It seemed like when they had their time with grandma and grandpa, um, they were entertaining them ah. more so than anything else. My father was a painter and he loved art. And so therefore the kids, because they were young, took coloring books in and they would color with him in the beginning of this. I bought him the easel and the paints and everything else. And we do have a couple of paintings that he did. Awesome. But afterwards, coloring became his passion with the grandchildren. That is so, so awesome. And I'm sure yeah. those are memories that they will never, ever forget. You're absolutely right. Mike just had that experience with two of our granddaughters. Oh, really? <laughs> so last Christmas, Christmas 2018, I saw, uh, right around that time, I saw a Bob Ross special. And I thought, wow, I think I could do that. So for Christmas, I asked for an easel and all the supplies and I decided I was going to paint like Bob Ross. And so I started doing it. And of course, at the beginning, I was woefully pathetic. 
But about the third or fourth time, I started getting the hang of it. And we had our two granddaughters at the house, uh, 10 and 7 at the time. And, of course, they were fussing. And so I took one downstairs, and I sat side by side, and I painted along with the first one. And it was amazing, the quality of the painting. And, of course, the next day, the other one said, well, you painted with uh, Lily yesterday. Will you paint with me today? And so we went downstairs, and we painted another picture. And then um, they were amazingly good. And I got some frames and I framed them and they have them both. They have their own paintings in their in their rooms in their new house. And I'm sure that that will be a member, memory of Grandpa that they will treasure for years and years to come. And it's also a memory that I hold near and dear, too. Well, I'm sure that their memories they will have together because any time that you're, at least I believe, any time that you're investing quality time with your grandchildren, they remember. And I would think that that would be fun. And that's what it was. That's and, and I truly believe that because he would be happy out there playing basketball, you know, just entertaining him. And sometimes they would go for a little walk, but not too far. And then they would bring him back. But if he had a chance to get by himself, he was gone. <laughs> You know, he physically was, it was so strong. He physically was able to walk quickly. Um, So if if he would play that game, you know, come find me. I'm out of here. (laughs) It was like that with Mike's dad uh, for a long time when he was, when he was with us. He always loved to walk and to be outside and he would go out for probably 30 minutes or so, three times a day and go through the neighborhood. And he knew when somebody moved in or if they planted uh, flowers or if there there was a dog or there was construction going on and he would come in and he would report. He never uh, engaged with the people, but he definitely knew what was going on in the neighborhood. And that was one of the sad things that happened is the dementia and all of the physical manifestations that come with it. It, it's, it's such a cruel disease because here is this Italian man who loved two things in the world. He loved to eat and he loved to walk. And once the, when he really went downhill, he developed swallowing problems, so he couldn't eat the way he wanted to. And with the Parkinson's, he couldn't walk anymore. Um, and having been through that situation with him, what Mike and I decided is that we would support caregivers and any way we could going forward. And I think you kind of had that same revelation, which led both of us to become caregiver support group leaders. And you have an interesting Mm -hmm. story about that. Would you like to share that with our listeners? Sure. Uh, my, My facilitating the support group is where actually my healing took place. By learning and and uh, trying to teach others the importance of becoming aware, let's say proactive about your own health. Mine was proactive because I was teaching them that they needed to make sure all their papers, important papers, were done, like their medical power of attorneys, all that, their financial power of attorneys were in place 
because after a person with Alzheimer's gets to a point where they no longer can talk or where they can no longer make sense, then it's too late and they have to go for guardianship. So because of all that, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going through this right now. Do something about it. Do about it. Get get the help you need. I went to a lawyer. I went to a doctor. And since then, I have had a mini stroke, and which led to me being put in the hospital and going through many, many tests for the brain and the heart. So it's important what the what the facilitators and the caregiver groups come together. The way I like to tell the participants is this is your outlet. You can be happy. You can be sad. You can cry. You can be angry. In this room, everybody is going through the same thing you are, and you're allowed to feel. It's a safe place to be. I always tell the people in my group, whoever needs it the most gets to speak first, and they get to speak as long as they need to. That's right. And you're right. We laugh. We laugh, we cry, we share anger, we share resources. And even though I'm supposed to be the leader of the group, I I think I learn something every month that I go in there. And to watch how they help each to watch how they help each other, you know, it's it's a miracle in progress all the time. It's the best therapy. Yeah. I have a gentleman in, in the group that came in when his when his wife was in the very early stages and he was just in there to um learn about what to expect. He's been in the group for five years now, and she's definitely uh, progressed. And But he's absolutely amazing in helping the new people that come into the group um, feel comfortable and know that this is a place that they can rely on. So you were talking about your, your health issues. Do you Are you comfortable in, in sharing that and what's going on with you? And how would you've learned as a caregiver and a facilitator um, the steps that you're taking? I am comfortable with the steps that I'm taking. And I'm so grateful that I've done what I've done for the facilitating of the support groups. My families that have been with me, some for many, many years, um, have come up to me and have said, I don't know how I would have gotten through this without you or mm-hmm. without this group. Yeah, so, I hear that too. You know, that that is worth everything to know that as a facilitator, you are touching them. You are making a difference. And I think that I have learned a lot myself. Could I rattle off everything about Alzheimer's disease? No. Have I done program after program after program about certain things? Yes. Have some things stuck in my mind because I thought they were really important? Yes. So I am grateful for being a caregiver. I am so grateful for our Defiance uh, Senior Center um, for noticing and caring and trusting that I could do this job. 
because I don't think I could have if it had been just up to me. Right. But so I'm I'm grateful for being able to have that opportunity and touch the lives that I have touched. And do you think this experience has helped you deal with your own health issues as they've come to pass? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Do I have a fear? Of course I do. Mm-hmm. I do have fear, you know, about what's going on with me personally. Um, but I think that my knowing and my accepting hopefully helps my family accept what may happen. That's my big thing is making sure that my immediate family understands and they are supporting me 100% already. So you've been educating them on the process as you've learned as well. Absolutely, 100%. I just think it's important. Um, It's important. My kids were saying, oh, mom, I think you told me that before. Or, you know, just some little remark. And then they'd start laughing and then they'd say, mom forgot again, you know, those kind of things. So I started actually saying, okay, watch what you're doing. Be aware, be aware. And so I did. And I think that, thank God they did that or I wouldn't have been aware, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But that's how it happened, and I am grateful to my children for um, making fun of me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, of course, it doesn't matter what their ages are. They're still your kids, and right. they're going to make fun of you every once in a while. But, um, but I am glad. I'm very happy. Well, like we said at the beginning, laughter is the best medicine. Yes. Oh, yes. And that I taught in in the support group, too. You have got to laugh. You know, you're not laughing at them. You're laughing with them because some things are funny. Yes. So you're just laughing with them and enjoying the time and not always being so serious about what's going on. Well, Pat, it's been an absolute joy having you on the Roger That podcast. Thank you, Pat. You're a delight. Well, thank you. And I have appreciated this opportunity. I really have. Well, I think talking with Pat really brought home to our to our listeners, and maybe for the first time, how important it is to find that caregiver support group and how you actually develop a community that can go on for several years where you sit there and you share information and you support each other while you laugh and you cry and you try to figure things out. And once again, another important point she brought out, and it's been brought out on a number of our podcasts, is having the paperwork in place. And also what she said was she's educated her family. Let your wishes be known. Let let people know what you want. So uh, I... Very important points. And having somebody like Pat on our podcast is a real indicator that this is something that's hitting people at all phases of their life, and it grows more important every single day. You can find more information about Pat on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That, and I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please, subscribe to the show. Go to iTunes and post a review 
Reviews are very important. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Let us know how we can help you, or if you have a question you'd like for us to address, or if you'd just like to say hi. Now, to find out more about us, or where Bobby will be speaking next, head on over to rogerthat.show. That's roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Missing Link is a proud partner of Hearing Charities of America, a nonprofit organization that supports those who are deaf or hard of hearing. You can find out more about HCA on our website or go to hearingcharities.org. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content.